For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. I think we can all agree the current political moment is fraught. But how does it compare to the other fraught political moments in history? It felt for a time in part of that decade like everything was falling apart. Young people against old people, anti-war violence, peace movement. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara. And this week, presidential historian Doris Kearns Goodwin joins me on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet. We talk about difficult times in America's history and how its people overcame them. The episode is out now. Search and follow Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Welcome to the Longform Podcast. I'm Max Linsky. I'm here with Aaron Lammer of Longform, Evan Ratliff of Atavist. Hey, you guys. Hey. Hey, Aaron, you, you've been in here a while. You Can you smell me? <laughs> Uh, yes, I just taped a, I just taped a show that'll be out in a couple of weeks here, nary an hour ago. Every summer, I forget just how hot this room gets. Yeah, I feel like we should do a pledge drive to get ourselves an air conditioner. <laughs> could, could, could any of our listeners? Now this has we also don't have a window, so this has to be one of those ones that has the long hose coming off of it. Either that or just like a stockpile of deodorant. Yeah. What are the two? Uh, who's on the show this week? Oh, I'm very excited about uh, the show this week. We have uh, Rembert Brown of Grantland. Uh, Internet persona extraordinaire, generally good man, and uh, we spent a lot of time in here, uh, very late at night, and it was fun. Late, late night? Of, That's those are was, good ones. It was my latest night podcast. I would say I'm looking forward to this one. He's a heavily requested guest. Yeah, the people the, the people want it. He lived up to it. And yeah. there's you know uh, it's an interesting interesting times at his website Grantland Grantland.com, and uh, he talked about it. Um, that's as much of a teaser as I think we need for this conversation. Uh, here's another thing yeah. I'd like to uh, conversate about is uh, is the iTunes store. Oh, yeah. And uh, the way that you stay on the charts in the iTunes store is people listening, one, but yeah. also people uh, rating the show and reviewing the show. Max, I feel like you're revealing the secret sauce. <laughs> well, there's a reason that every podcast you ever listen to, they beg you to do this. Yes. And we are not good at doing things like that. We don't believe in sauce secrets here. <laughs> We're currently begging. This is this is us terribly begging. All right, let's let's tell let's tell the listeners the whole story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we had Cheryl Strait on the show. It's one of the best shows we've ever done. The people on iTunes were kind enough to feature it. We uh, launched into the charts with a fury like a like a, a young band on the rise. Uh, I think we I think we were in the th- uh, in the in the 30s overall at one point. Yeah. Uh, we're still in we're still in there, but each slot we fall takes a little bit out of our hearts. So what I'd like our listeners to do is go on, rate the podcast, review the podcast. Uh, favorably that, is what we're favorably. implying. Do, do it favorably. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really help you in the charts yeah. to get the negative reviews, but I don't think I don't think people should feel pressured to uh, no, I think, look, to review it. They should review say what, it honestly. Say what you mean. Uh, say what you believe, but say it now. Um, and actually, if you've done, if you've previously rated the show, you can rate it again. 
some, I think. <laughs> some say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, please go. Uh, if you're listening to this and you enjoy it, please uh, go rate it and review it. It is helpful to us. Uh, it'll make us feel better about ourselves. It's really the primary thing. Another uh, thing that made me feel um, good about myself was that our show was mentioned in the last Hot Pod newsletter. I was thinking about this because that's a Tiny Letter, and they are our sponsor this week. Thank you, Tiny Letter. Hot Pod is just one among thousands of incredible Tiny Letters out there. Why don't you start one yourself? And now here's Max with Rembert Brown. Hello, Rumber Brown. Hey, Max. How are hey, you? Hey, man. Hey. It is good to have you here. I, uh, here. I think this is where I'd like to start. I'd like to start when I first encountered Rumber Brown. Great. I'd love to hear this. Well, here's what I want to know. You guys at Grantland just celebrated your four-year anniversary. Four years. Mazel tov. Thank you. You're almost a grown-up website. I feel like part of a maturing is doing things in fours it's weird it's like it's like high school college like four, like four years you're like I feel like I'm an expert but I also feel like like, like this is time for us to like do something new it's, it's a very weird time because it's like everything it sneaks up on you you're like yeah. whoa I, I, so I, I'll, I'll think of something or I'll think of some old piece and then I'll see that I wrote it <laughs> Like January 2012, and I'm like, "What? That it's is 2015. Quite, quite a long time ago. That's so long. Like, well, how did anyone let me write things for the public consumption in 2012? I, I, I had this moment all the time with like, uh, you know, being in this like little media startup niche world, yeah, where like there's all these things that have like born, peaked, and died. Yeah. And I've just been sitting in this office like <laughs> posting articles and talking to people over the podcast. And it's like people have lived whole lives mm-hmm. and I've just been doing the same shit. Yeah. Sometimes it fills me with great anxiety. I, I completely understand. Like, uh, people are failing quickly and I'm just failing very slowly. You're, you're just, you're, just you're, you're the fly on the wall that's failing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just watching yeah. people fail. Everyone's like, you just want to get in there, fail, learn your lesson. And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to drag I'm just this. like, I'm, I'm going to fail under the radar. <laughs> and I respect you for that. Hey, thanks, man. Well, I, I've got nothing if not uh, perseverance. But here's the thing I want to know. So I'm interested in the story of how you got hired at Grantland. Uh, it is a unique one, yes, as I understand it. And I, I wonder if you could just put me in that moment. It must have been close to four years ago. Yeah. What were you doing, and then how did you go from that to Grandland? I actually never grow tired of telling the story because <laughs> it, it feels me. It, it, I think it very much fits in what I want my life to be, which is crossroads and having to just make the right decision and not knowing if it's going to work or not. So I was in grad school at Columbia doing urban planning after a year stint uh, doing consulting for the Department of Transportation under the Division of Bridges, working 10 hours a day on Roosevelt Island. D.O.B. God bless the city. (laughs) Uh, And it was a two-year program. And my first year went well, but I wasn't happy because... As soon as I got to the program at Columbia, I realized that I was passionate about urban planning, but was probably in the wrong at the wrong school. Okay, because it was super pre-professional, and I had just come off my heady liberal arts 
time at Dartmouth and was just like, I wanted to explore what the word urban meant. And they were like, uh, you need to learn how to make maps and <laughs> and learn how to get hired by the city. You're, you're like, I just want to write like a maybe eight thousand words, sort of just yeah. talk, sort of stream of consciousness on the nature of urban. I was like, but what does urban mean? They're like, shut up, <laughs> learn to draw. <laughs> so, the summer between my first and second year, I was in a not a great headspace. So I started a blog, just a WordPress blog called Five Hundred Days Asunder, oh, and the the premise of the blog was to write something every day and that was it because you had been writing i you're we should tell maybe tell the listeners yes you're a little late yeah you're a little late here and so i had some extra time and i went on the internet and i found all these columns that you wrote uh, for the, for your college paper yes i yeah i guess that's really the beginning of the story which is i got convinced by a few friends of mine who worked at the dartmouth america's oldest college newspaper to write a column. Mm -hmm. uh, my editor was uh, Caitlin Kelly, who works at The New Yorker now. Uh, she had to deal with me as a junior, which was a terrible, terrible diva person. And I basically could write about whatever I wanted. And just seeing the reaction to the stuff I wrote, that was a moment where I thought maybe one day I could, this could be like the thing that I do. Right. But you know? well, if you're if you're like interested in, in crossroads, like coming out of school in a recession, <laughs> this is oh nine. So this is right. literally no one had any money to pay anyone. So you were like, did you even think about at that point, like trying to make it as a writer? Or yeah, was it like I, a I remember sending emails May, June to the email addresses at all the, the New York places with my four or five best college clips be yeah. like hey I, I'd love to and I remember those emails I sent those emails too and like you'd work so hard on those emails oh my god they were, <laughs> I was like, most, like overwritten it's like I spent two days writing like a paragraph <laughs> to someone at Time Out New York being like I am your guy I am your young guy so but no, nothing really worked out so yeah. I you know I would always default back to academia because that, that was the sure thing that I could keep doing. And 500 Days of Sunday was just kind of like your way to keep those muscles in some yeah. kind of shape? Yeah. So when I started it, I sent an email out to probably 80 people saying, I'm starting it. I'm never going to bug you about this, but I'm going to write one thing a day and I hope you like it. Like I knew I had, I had, I've always had a lot of friends that would go to the far reaches of the earth to support me, but... I wouldn't really know if I was good or not. Right. So that was my rationale for not being like, hey, read this thing I wrote today, read this thing I wrote today, because I thought if it catches on organically, then maybe I have something. Mm -hmm. And it started to catch on organically after like five or six months. And one of the people who knew how unhappy I was at grad school uh, was one of my TAs, guy Eric Goldwyn, who was one of the many people that just started sharing sharing some of my pieces on Facebook and cuz this this was kind of you know this is 2010 so this is before Twitter was the currency that it is now right it was just like a thing that a lot of people had and what kind of stuff were you writing i was writing anything from you know just going to concerts to just random essays about things in the news to the big thing that took off was I was doing these pop culture brackets. And I would never give myself credit for really making these a thing. But 
there could be an argument <laughs> that one someone, could make. Someone else could say. Yeah, if there was an oral history of brackets, <laughs> I feel like I might be able to get like half a page because I did an outcast bracket, an outcast song bracket. And that was kind of the first thing that I did that got picked up at blogs. I remember seeing it on the all. That was that was my uh, That was the first the all, Dave Bree. God bless him. <laughs> and then I did another one a couple months later, a Jay Z song bracket, and because it was New York, that one like kinda caught fire even more. And that was the two of those somehow through the way things are spread, um, got seen by Jay Kang. You know, he was in the original the original cast of yeah. of Grantland.com. And he sent me an email and was like, hey, I like these brackets you do. I've read some of the other stuff. Wondering if you would like to contribute something or do a bracket. So that was like the summer that Grantland launched. Yeah, it was Ju- uh, So Grantland launched in June and this was August. Yeah, and, and it was like everyone I knew was trying to write for Grandland yeah. at that point it was like money was just falling cascading <laughs> yeah. from the sky it's like a money machine in a yeah. glass box and it, was like, like... <laughs> it was like they're gonna have Malcolm Gladwell and also they just hired all of the like best people on the internet uh, it, it was like a, it was a very coveted slot and what was it like to get that email from Jay two things one because I wasn't in that in the media world at all, like, I got it, but I didn't get it. Uh-huh. And two, and I think this is this will always be the reason that my early months at Grantland actually worked out really well was because I didn't have a starry-eyed Simmons complex, like which a lot of young boys <laughs> <laughs> do, like, did, and still do. I was like, I know that guy. I like his writing, but I also went to school in New Hampshire, surrounded by Boston kids who literally would never stop talking about him. So I was like, <laughs> like I was like, I respect him and I love him, but I I, I thought of him as a great figure, not like Mount Rushmore yeah. human beings. Yeah, you didn't you didn't like uh, <laughs> like sit there like refreshing page two to get every, every yeah, Simmons. Column. I was like I was like I, I like Simmons, but I will never forget when I wrote my first piece. Like, everyone I knew from all walks of life like their freak out kind of made me freak out you're like, like oh this is a I bigger was like, deal than I understand this is like a oh oh okay and then after the first piece you know they were like that that was great like, you know send us some pitches you know and so I'm just making up like this new career just as I go because uh-huh. I was like I, have, like I don't know how to pitch people I was just like cool let me think of some stuff and I was still doing my blog every day how are you doing in school oh that's the best part I was literally just like racing to academic probation <laughs> I was just like running like Usain Bolt <laughs> so there was this moment where I was starting to get into the rotation for lack of a better word they were kind of hazing me they were just kind of seeing how much I could do because I was the youngest one there, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, how old were you at this point? I was 24. I was just, like, cranking out stuff. Like, right. I mean, basically, I was just writing pieces in class. <laughs> and then I was supposed to be thinking of my, my second-year senior thesis and just, like, was not paying attention to any of this because I was, like, focusing all of my energy on this job that maybe I might get. And then... 
around October. And it was early November because it was right before Thanksgiving and I still didn't have a thesis topic. I was like not really going to class. And I got an email from Bill. He was like, hey, I don't want to take you out of <laughs> grad school because he's like, I think your mom will kill me if if I like made a push for that. But, you know, you're doing a great job here and there will be a spot for you once you graduate. Once you finish your dream of urban planning. Yeah. And I sat on it for about a week and I <laughs> looked at my grades and I was like, what if we just did this now? <laughs> and... You know, I, I went home for Thanksgiving and like prepared the speech for my mother, who is an academic, and I knew would not understand this at all. But was like, this is what what I'm doing. That was like my first adult thing I've ever done. Like, kind of told my mom. It's like the first time you disappointed your mom. Yeah. Oh no, not the first, but like the first. Like, like I had done everything because you had something you wanted to <clears throat> yeah, do. Like I, it was worth it. I was just like on the track that she understood. It was like. You go to you go to this school, which leads to this school, which you know you do some work, which leads to the next school, and I know how to deal with that as a parent because I know how to deal with academia. Right. And I was like, no, I'm gonna leave Columbia, you know, with six months left of my master's to go work on this website you never heard of. Yeah, yeah, and I that's never- actually like a huge <clears throat> moment with parents. I think like the first time that you sort of like defy their expectations for something you really want. You a, know? It was a huge moment. I mean, it was, it took probably a year and a half to two years for my mom to finally be like, you made the right decision. It was always like, okay, like this is a, this is a thing that you do and I like it and I can tell people like, it, and I can tell the site matters, but so what's your five year plan, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? And in the past like year, year and a half, I can, I can, you know, I could see that pride that she had of me as like a, a hotshot student back as, you know, like a real adult, yeah. like like doing stories that I can tell. Like she's like, oh, I get it now, I get it now. So I know ne- I never went back to Columbia. I actually haven't stepped foot back on that campus <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> since November 2011. I was a full time employee, and I still am. I'm going to put Rem on hold for a second tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors this week. It's QuickBooks Self-Employed. If you work for yourself, if you're a freelancer, say, you can save up to 50% on an entire year of QuickBooks Self-Employed. What is QuickBooks Self-Employed? It's uh, QuickBooks for the self-employed, online accounting software. It is designed to make your life easier. Here's what it can do. Here's what it can uh, help you with. It'll track all of your expenses. So you know what you spend on work and you know what you spend for yourself. It'll help you pinpoint your estimated quarterly and year-end taxes. So it's going to take all like the guesswork and anxiety and that crazy moment where you like have to sit down and do your taxes in April and you have to like pull your drawer full of receipts and go through all of them and you can't talk to anyone for two days because you're doing your taxes. And then the whole time you're just wondering like, how much do I owe? QuickBooks is going to solve all of that for you. Plus, when you're in that like hell of tax time and you don't want to actually like spend the time to figure out all your little deductions and stuff quickbooks is going to do all that for you too home office mileage all the little stuff you never want to tabulate quickbooks is going to take care of all of it so you get to keep more of your money at tax time here's what you should do if you are uh, self-employed and maybe a little disorganized financially go to try selfemployed.com slash long form that's try selfemployed.com slash long form you're going to get 50 percent off 
for an entire year. Thanks very much to QuickBooks for uh, supporting the show. Thanks to you for supporting the show. And let's get back to Rembrandt. We've had a lot of people on the show who spent years writing for free or writing for some tiny newspaper in the middle of nowhere and sort of like being able to kind of like hone their craft, whatever that craft might be, uh, in like semi-anonymity. Yeah. What what was it like to sort of have your first job be writing for hundreds of thousands of people? My whole first year was actively proving my worth. How do you do that? Not believing that I had the luxury of having like one off piece. Like thinking if I had one off piece, like I was done. Mm Mm-hmm. Done being from the employer side and done from like the, the the community of reader side. And I, you know, having no background, I, I just spent so much, like not necessarily like amount of time, but just so much focus time. Yeah. Like learning how to write well and reading people that I thought wrote well and like taking edits very seriously and having... I mean, the good thing was like having no ego, like mm-hmm. like zero, zero ego. Like if someone asked me to do something whenever, it's like, yes. Like, I, I don't think I ever said no for the first two years. To like assignments or anything. Any, right? Like anything. <laughs> like it would be like a random hole in the schedule that appeared at like 4 p.m. and it was like two and I was like in the middle of doing something else and someone would ask me to do something. I'd be like, yes. Yes. Age-wise, experience-wise, I have to prove myself. I'm interested in in those first couple of years. I actually don't even want to like describe what you were doing because I might make assumptions about it that are, okay. are right. How would you describe <laughs> the kinds of posts that you were doing? I, w- I would describe the way I wrote when I was 24 and 25 pretty similar to the way I, the stuff I'm writing about now, which is I'm constantly writing for my my peer group. Mm-hmm. There's like this, this amorphous, ever-changing group of 30 people that is ever-evolving over time that I kind of feel like I'm always writing to. And if it's a piece that I think those 30 people will all be interested in, I'm conv- I've convinced myself that it will work for uh-huh. the masses. What's unique about you in in terms of people that have come on the show is you were writing multiple times a week. Yes. A good outcome for those posts was that they were read by many, many people. Yes. It's it's like a bad word, but like you were trying to do things that would be viral. Yeah, so no. <laughs> no, and also fuck you. Yeah. Explain to me the, dif- the difference between trying to do stuff that's going to be popular and trying to do stuff that would be viral. Okay, that's fair. I, I I do wonder sometimes if I had started at a place that was already established, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of my come up going well was directly aligned to Grantland also having to come up, mm-hmm. and being on the pop culture side for that first year, it was a constant like push to convince people that this wasn't just a sports site, you know, and like talking to music PR people and they're like well this is like ESPN like what do you know so it was going to a show covering a movie doing things that the entire internet was writing would be writing about the next day Mm -hmm. but knowing that I had the luxury 
of not having to put it up immediately. Right. I always had kind of like a five hour buffer where I could like actually work on a post. And so my goal was always to write about the thing that everyone is writing about, but taking a completely different angle. So in terms of like going viral, that's not like the smartest way to do it. Like being kind of on the late end of a story is not the best way. Oh yeah, definitely. To go viral. Like I, there were there were many times where like my pieces were like going up at like 3:30 4 the next day, but I had figured out some like weird some weird lens to look at something as mundane as just like a Jay-Z concert. Uh-huh. It seems like you started writing fewer of the kind of like I went to a show like here's like a, a take on a movie that's coming out this weekend pieces after a while. Yeah. What do you learn about the stuff that works? Like one thing, if you like look back, just like scroll through your Grandland archive, which mm-hmm. I did for a long time because yeah. you've written so many <laughs> things, man. Jesus things. Christ. Like there's all this like uh, 90s stuff. Like that feels like a completely different. That's, like, a, that's a different world. Like I, I, the thing I think I think I was thinking of is like Double Dare. Yeah. Like thousands of words on Double Dare. Just, just that, that's, that's a very good example. And I don't know if, if I've ever verbalized this or it was ever articulated to me, but it was just, there was this moment, and I still do this sometimes. I did this like last week on something where it's like taking something just like two steps further than any sane person would go on something. <laughs> it's like there is like. Which is kind of the outcast bracket thing, yeah, too. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, that's kind of like what. Yeah, that, that's kind of like my origin story is taking a simple conceit and just just doing the most it's it's not just long-winded because it's like it's it's also like passionate yes it's not like i, I want to hear myself talk it's like i know there are other people out here that care this much <laughs> about this thing and we're all we're all just weirdos so i'm just gonna i'm gonna take one for the team and spend two days <laughs> on this piece about legends of the hidden temple instead of just like writing a recap of one show. Now I'm gonna like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go four thousand words on that, and, it, <laughs> and it's and it's not for the sake of writing all those like for it being long. It's just because I I I love that that slight insanity that comes with just like just like pushing it further than I know anyone else will. I don't think you've ever done better than that bar mitzvah Nicki Minaj post. I think that's like I think that's the I think that's the zenith. That might be peak uh, too deep. Like, that's insane. Like You you basically, I don't know how long that story <laughs> was, but there was, I don't even know how, where this picture came from. It's a picture of a bunch of kids at a bar mitzvah with Nicki Minaj, and uh, they're all lined up, and it is unclear. It, there, uh, there, there, there's a line of eight 13-year-old boys at a bar mitzvah, <laughs> and Nicki is in the middle, and the okay. the beauty of thirteen year old boys, obviously, we they, should just they, pause the they, podcast and just let it be like dead air for a couple. <laughs> just go read this article. Yeah, come back. Yeah, and you know, thirteen year old boys being thirteen year old boys around a woman, like they just like don't know what to do with their limbs and their hands. And there's this if you look at the picture, <laughs> there's just like five or six hands touching Nikki's hips and shoulders and it's very unclear whose hand is who and I saw that and just was like there it is <laughs> that is hilarious <laughs> because I get that and I like, I knew like that okay perfect example I knew that that was gonna be I saw that at like 10pm 
And I knew that was going to be like a thing. Are you playing a game or is it like if the internet did not exist and you like found that picture in a bar, you would then spend the rest of the night talking with whoever you were in the bar about whose hand was whose? So they're both true. Mm -hmm. Like that night, I was on multiple amazing text conversations with friends, just like laughing our asses off about this. And every now and then I forget that I can do something with like hilarious things. Like, oh yeah, I have a like I can I can actually write something about this tomorrow. I, I can actually just like, tell my editor Mark Lasanti like, hey, like I, I think I got one, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's the the gamesmanship of it is one of the things that I think has prevented me from burning out. Like I, like I was just like laughing while I was writing that. I'm like, this is dumb, but I love this. You know, it's like I didn't know, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know how the piece was going to end. I was just like, I can, I, I can play with this for a while, and like, let's see how it turns out. So, that's definitely not a piece that I expected to just like be so gigantic. But it was gigantic. But it was just. Absolutely gigantic. <laughs> and so like when that happens, I'm like, that's that's awesome. But like ninety percent of my joy from that piece came from just writing it. Right. And then there's like, you know, like there's like the pat on the back, like, well yeah, I'm like I'm I'm not surprised that people were into it, but that wasn't the point. My original job at Grantland was kinda like eight of those Nikki pieces a week. Right. I've kind of transitioned out of that a little bit. Yeah. So when something like that happens, it's like fun to know that I can just turn that back on and just like just go insane. <laughs> so I, I I was just like I was just writing it and laughing and just like this is hilarious. Well, let's talk about that transition, man, cuz uh tell me about what what it was that made you feel like you had to go to Ferguson. I will take a like a, a slight step back. Okay. So summer 2013 I went on a road trip. Yeah. And across I, America. Across America. And just wrote pieces. And they, you is know. Is that your idea? That was actually Bill's idea. But after that road trip, that was kind of when I made a, I, I felt a switch happening in terms of kind of like my, my purpose for writing. And it was less, it went from less the, the, the topic, mm-hmm. more kind of thinking about myself as, someone that can not necessarily need to be like reactionary to everything like so much of my job up until that point was like this thing happens on Tuesday write about it for Wednesday and there there wasn't a lot of as much pure idea Mm -hmm. generation I could always lean on being funny and I I mean I I can still use that as a crutch but during that road trip I, I felt kind of myself go from just like being like a like a a funny mid twenty something to like actually being able to like use this platform. When I went to Ferguson, like that was that that was almost me not necessarily going against the site, but it was me like very much going rogue. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time I really just like did something without asking permission. You just went. I went. I paid for it myself. Oh really? And as as a lot of stories and stuff that I've written go or you know their their origin stories you know I was like at a bar with friends 
talking about stuff and we were talking about Ferguson and again it's like that light bulb went up it's like why don't I just go like we were talking about how like we didn't know like what to believe what to trust like right. we didn't know like you was just like so much trying stuff to understand on those events through screens is really difficult yeah and it was like you know I was like a couple whiskeys in and it was just like at the bar and it was like 11 and I was like you know what I'm going to Ferguson in the morning and let's just see what happens and you know I, I sent an email to to Bill and my main editor um, Sean Fantasy was like hey I'm down here and you know if nothing comes out of this personal trip you know but like I I have to be down here right now and we'll see that was the third day after the shooting and I wasn't even necessarily going there looking for a specific story I kind of just felt like it was a responsibility for me to be there and to relay any information even if it didn't come out in like some grand story right I mean it also felt to me like there was something in that story there's something about going there that you were trying to learn about yourself yeah I mean I my original kind of calling if you will is like public service and like wanting to be in politics and wanting to do stuff in policy and you know like wanting to be someone that like make shit better whatever whatever lane I land in so I would like there would always be these moments where I would write something I felt like I like made like a little dent in terms of how the way people perceive things and I would like retreat back for three or four months and just go back to just like being a person on the internet and then like make a little dent and that was starting to I think wear on me a little bit doing that dance yeah doing the dance where that that's the point where it just you know being a creature of the internet becomes like a job instead of like a like a passion or like an art form you know, like mm-hmm. writing I, I, was, I was beginning to get away from the way I think about this which I, I still think about my job writing more as an extension of art than like journalism I mean I'm, I'm in the journalism media world so I'm not pretending like I'm not a member of the press or a journalist or a member of the media or whatever, but like you didn't get that first job from a big scoop, you got <laughs> yeah, it from an outcast brand. Yeah, but like I'm, I'm still like that's still kind of the the backbone about why I like writing because it's like a it's a it's still my weird form of expression, and so when I went down to Ferguson, like I you know I kind of felt like a responsibility as just like a young black man to go down there. Um, a young black man with like a platform that who knows what'll happen and then you know I went down there and it like it blew up and um, like this like not like a story like the actual town you know right you were there you were there for the like the night I was there for like that the first like real night with you know with like the mace and the police and the tanks and all that shit and it was I mean it was it was like a top three most terrifying moments I've ever had because, you know, in the moment I was like, I don't know how this night ends. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what happens to me tonight. And like, as soon as the night took a turn for the worse and it was like, oh, okay. Like the police are now, you know, coming at the protesters. I was like, oh, I am not like... I'm not a, like a Grantland staff writer, <laughs> right. you know. I'm like, I'm a dude out here who is looks the same as everyone else, and 
Could you feel it in over your head? No, I didn't. That was the moment where I was like, this is why like I exist almost. Like this is I didn't come down here to like be in the middle of something, but I trusted myself enough if I got out of there to truthfully report back what I saw and how I felt. And writing it was weirdly therapeutic, but also it, I, I wrote it the next day and I didn't deal with it for about three weeks. Really? It read as therapy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of random stuff that I write feels very much like I've been thinking about this thing or I've been dealing with this thing for a long time. Now I have something to I have something to peg this to that yeah. feels organic that I can, can work I, work that yeah, out. Yeah, like saying like not stuff that I've been thinking about for like a couple of days, like stuff I've been thinking about for years. I've just like never really put it all together. And after that, there was a part of me that felt kind of activisty, mm-hmm. but I don't really think of myself that way. I I, I very much like think of myself of <laughs> like always thought of myself writing as like a, a fly on the wall. But that one was different because I was like, it was not a fly on the wall. It was like in, was very much in it. But it wasn't for the purpose of look at me, look how scary this was. It was just like, this is how people live. And like, this is something that's happening to people. I just so happen to have a job where I can tell people what that was like, you know? And after that experience, which... Uh, even if your story wasn't intended to say I was there and it was scary, that is one of the effects of reading that story is it's just fucking terrifying. Yeah. Well, here's a crazy thing. Another crazy thing that you uh, were able to do yes. in your life Yes. was uh, uh, you recently uh, went aboard Air Force One, which is the president's plane. That's my guy. <laughs> you went and uh, you talked to your guy. I talked to my on guy. On Air Force One. Robert that, fucking Brown on Air Force One. That was... A, I feel like that was... I'll be completely honest. That was like a big moment for uh, for all of us. <laughs> it felt good. It felt good. It felt like a big moment for me. I felt I I felt when that when I knew that thing was coming out, I was like, "This is going to be." I'm excited for all of us. Yeah, because of how you did a good job keeping it under wraps. It was like uh, Caitlyn oh. Jenner level. Oh uh, my god! It was. There were only two people at Grantland that knew what was happening until. Like the, until I wrote it and it had to get edited, but yeah, that's that that's the 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 the, the silliest thing I've I've pulled off. <laughs> like I, I can't imagine anything sillier getting pulled off. At, like in, at this point in my life, how does that happen, man? How do you end up in Air Force One? I I got an email from a woman at the White House, like wondering about my availability to do something <laughs> like with the President of the United States, and so in my mind just like being like a distracted person at lunch I'm like oh this I like it was I was like maybe this is like a March Madness thing right <laughs> like I don't know what this is but I email her back and I was like you know just being like an idiot I was like hey at lunch uh, <laughs> like like oh and she was like I'd love to hop on the phone I was like yeah like what about what, what from, about what about 4pm yeah, like, I'm uh, free from about 4 to 4.15 yeah let's hop on the phone and she was like uh, I'd love to talk to you in about so, in about 10 minutes uh, is Barack Obama Barack. She was like, I don't know if you saw what I said. <laughs> so I left lunch. I was like, hey, guys, gotta, I'll, I'll see you back at the office. And she just laid it all out. She's like, yeah, we're rounding up five journalists to go to Selma on Air Force One. And the five journalists are going to get a chance to talk to the president. 
are you game? Oh my are, is God. that like a euphoric moment? Is that like a moment of like great panic? So I think earlier you had asked me like about something about being in over my head. <laughs> and I was like, nah. So this was the moment where I was like, I like, is this the moment I've been preparing for? Or is this like the moment I realize it's all been a farce? <laughs> like I, I finally I finally like, like this show is just, my, this show is just my, an epic prank. Like this is this is like the longest con that I've played on myself ever. And so I was like let me get right back to you. <laughs> and I talked to Bill and Bill's like, uh, yeah. And so it's just like, it went from like an email to this is something I'm doing on Saturday in about an hour and a half. Wow. And you can't tell anyone. And you knew that you had one question to ask him. Well, no. So it went from, that was kind of the nerve wracking thing. It went from like an interview to a conversation to kind of the day before being one question. Originally, I'm like, okay, I can hit Barack with some serious stuff, some funny stuff. <laughs> my, my like throw a Kanye at him. Like, I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, I got, I got, I got time with Barack. Like, let's, let's see which way I can do this. And then it's like one question hmm. in a room with other journalists and you don't know what they're going to be asking. Because it's also a moment like these other ones you've been describing where you could, there is like a kind of like easy, comfortable road sitting out there, right? Mm-hmm. You can be like, tell me about your jumper. You pick your favorite Outcast song. Yeah. yeah, it's like, this is, okay. I was like, who is, like, who is 28-year-old Rember Brown? And what do his peers care about? Like that, it would, it would have been very on brand to be like, like, like what do you think about like LeBron, like right. just, like just just something that's like very like happy to be there. Right. That's a good way to describe it. Happy yeah. to be there, but it was like all of this stuff you've been doing has been leading to something like this to like kind of show like like that you've grown up a little bit. And to paraphrase your question, it was, it seems like you don't always say what I believe you think. Is that because of the office of the president, mm-hmm. or is that because? Uh, you don't actually think those things. I literally almost shat myself when I said that. I was like, I, I, I'd written like fifteen versions of that question. Some were, some like had lots of flowery language before I got to the meat of it. And there were a couple versions. I was like, maybe I won't even get to the meat of it. Maybe I'll just like compliment him and like, and just like be like, and thank you for letting me come. But it was that moment where I, I, I looked around at the other four journalists that were there. And it was kind of like, I'm here for a reason. Mm. Like, this isn't a complete fluke. And so I was like, well, what's the thing we always talk about when we always talk about Obama, this dude that we love? Like, like we're like, what does he actually want to say? I wish he could just do what I want him to do. Which you also think is what he wants to do. Yeah. And so once I got, like, once I broke it down to myself I I knew what I had to ask it was just a matter of like could I get it to come out of my mouth <laughs> there is no place where he has more home court advantage than you asking him a question on his plane yeah I'd argue that like if he came to your house he'd still have home court advantage oh no, no he always <laughs> has home court advantage but it's just like you can't come at him sideways you, right. you can't like right. disrespect him on his plane <laughs> if you're gonna push him or if you want to get something different out of him, you still have to 
come at it in a respectful way. You can't be like, yo, Barack, like, why are you such a punk all the time? <laughs> <laughs> like, I heard you were a punk. Yeah, I heard you were a punk. You were false. <laughs> <laughs> so I was the third of five questions. Once it became time for me to ask, I just like looked up and I just said it. You know, I was just completely blacked out. <laughs> just completely blacked out. And then once it all got said, I was like, oh, what's up? All right. Okay. <laughs> He's just like the smartest person. You know, he gave me a little attitude. Pretty fabulous answer. God, it's just like, oh, I hate you. You're so good at just existing. It was a, it was a really good answer. And yeah. I was like super happy about it. Some of it is like stuff he said before. It was like, this is a hard job. And I can't just do and say everything at every single moment. Uh, he did say that like what he's saying and doing is stuff he believes in. But he believes that like the timing isn't always what everyone wants at that given moment, and like he has to pick and choose his spots, blah blah blah. So like it wasn't. It's still the way a smart professional politician answers something, which is what you would expect because he's the president. But it also he had to kind of flex a different muscle. Yeah, and he put it back on you a little bit. He did, and I I love that. It's not the answer you get over a beer with him but it's also not the thing he preps for right he was still ready for it because he's, he's just ready but watching him take that which was a little bit outside of the wheelhouse and like they didn't pre-screen questions which I think is another just like ego thing of his being like you had a full week to stress over this one question best shot yeah let's go yeah oh yeah also I'm like thinking about this speech at the Edmund Pettus Bridge that I have to right. give in an hour, but defining you know, moment of his presidency. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah just take like, your best shot. yeah, take your best shot. You know, so <laughs> like taking one for the team for like a giant swath of the population, like felt it felt really like validating in terms of like why I dropped out of grad school. Yeah, and then afterwards I got a like one of those just like life comes full circle things. After it was all over at Selma, I got a ride out of Selma. With Jay Kang. <laughs> I think he saw like a tweet of mine. He was like, You're in Selma, like what are you doing here? And I told him he was just like You gotta be kidding me. I sent your email about some outcast I was brackets. Like, Jay <laughs> You did this, Jay. I love you. I love you so much. Uh all right, that's good full full circle. Jay Kang to Jay Kang. <laughs> Jay the Kang full Grandland experience. I have uh I have some future looking questions. Here's one. What do you want to do next? Where, like, if you've if you've been been working on on this continuum of what's interesting to you and uh, shifting stakes, and uh, I really love this idea, and it's not what I would have assumed. One of the great things about this show is like I continually have like I've read a, a great deal of shit that you've written. Yeah, all these assumptions about mm-hmm. it. Uh, it turns out I'm almost always wrong. <laughs> like basically always. <laughs> fucking wrong and I really like this idea uh, which I wouldn't have expected which is that you could feel like you're sort of writing for this group of people and often sort of representing this group of people mm-hmm. and trying to trying to do that so where do you want to take that group of people next that is definitely something I think about daily uh, now the thing I've realized is I'm in a very real point where I'm beginning to have fatigue with writing about interesting people doing interesting things like like I've I've spent so much time like 
figuring out all the different ways to write cleverly about the stuff that people make. And now I'm kind of in a place where I like want to be the person making things. Uh, I thought you were going to say I want to start writing about boring people. No. <laughs> like, I am over. It's interesting. She's getting a little tired. One thing that's happened in the past six months that I've, I've really become obsessed with is, you know, kind of doing these lengthy, like, lengthy Q&As and like some like good profiles on like people that I've always been interested in, like just like, you know, spending a day with, like Donald Glover. I really love like, it. I was just about to say that Glover Q&A was great. Even though we were very different career points, it felt very peer to peer, which I which I loved. And you were talking about a lot of stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah. Sort yeah. of being true to yourself and yeah, it was, uh, it was, keeping some things for yourself. It was a, it was a beautifully heady conversation between two dudes and I loved it. But again, it's like another crossroads where I'm in this point where I was like, I can, like, I can use these words in other ways. Like, I don't have to just use them to continue to talk about awesome stuff that people are doing. Like, I can, I can write stuff, like original stuff, you know? Like, so, you know, how that manifests itself on the internet is interesting, but... Mm-hmm. There, there are lots of other places for words to be used, you know? And so, like, be that book stuff. I, I know very little about writing scripts and stuff like that, but it's just, like, like my, my go-to person who I've always looked up to is Baldwin because he, like, wrote books but was also, like, every like whenever he kind of felt like it was like this amazing cultural critic like he would just write about movies sometimes you know he would he would do a profile and like like, like he wrote like a Malcolm X profile in Harper's that's just incredible you know like he's like he was still like in incredible stuff about protests yeah like he was still very much a part of like the fast changing media world but was also making stuff you know and you know this is a very different world than you know the 60s but Baldwin would have been so good at Twitter oh my god (laughs) oh my god Uh, sorry I cut you off I have little to no interest in being on camera like my heart is still very much like I want to see how much I can do with words like forever Mm -hmm. you know so as like my my medium of communicating. So I wish I knew exactly how that was going to manifest itself. But if you go back, if you look at like the last like couple months of stuff I've written at Grantland, it's like very weird and all over the place because it does appear that you're like working some stuff out. I'm I'm just like trying to figure out like where, like where my head is and, and where is this world of making things that like, kind of exists in a vacuum but also still being part of like the internet community but it's I, part it, of what's so interesting to me about you is like your answer to this question is if you've been reading what I've been putting on the very popular website Grantland you know that I've tried to figure some shit out like uh, I feel like you've been doing that for years it's sort of like figuring out what you want and what you care about and what you think in public yeah and I think that's going to just continue for for a long time I'm, I'm okay like I'm I hope it does I'm okay with that you know like I, I'm okay with with not being at my most refined online at all times like having like sometimes writing stuff and having maybe having someone be like everything okay you know uh-huh. like like I've gotten I've had that response sometimes to from people from my editors from from everyone you know cause it's 
it's very it's it's like it's happening in real time and some of that is therapeutic because I'm like well I, I I could write a lot of this stuff privately but I I could also just like like, like let y'all hit publish and just like kind of see what happens <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's it's weird it's a weird world it is a, I'm I'm super deep in I'm you, very deep in you are deep in. I got one more thing to ask you about, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, I'm excited for this question. I'm not sure you are excited. Okay. I would like to know uh, what you think about the recent events at uh, Grantland.com, and Ooh. what you think of the, for the future of Grantland.com. Yeah, what was what was May 8th like? Was May 8th uh, when Bill got fired? Yeah. So, you know, Bill's my guy. That's present tense, you know? Bill's my guy. So that was a terrible day for me. You know, did like, you know it was coming? Did you think it was coming? Nah, I mean, Bill and I are like we're kind of similar, and he he's a little bit more like say first, <laughs> figure it out later than I am. <laughs> but like that's what I like, always I respect about him so much is that he's just like I feel this way right now, and I'm gonna do it. You know, and I think that's ultimately why he got he got asked to no longer work here, but. I don't know. It, it felt it felt very like end of an era for me. What is, I mean, what is Grantland without Bill Simmons? That's it is it is a it is a uh, uh, a highly functioning website without Bill Simmons. But Bill's not there. It's a site built around human beings, you know. And Bill's smart enough where he hired perfectly. I, I do think that's in hindsight that's like the great legacy of that he, website. He literally just hired the right people and he he hired in a way where like it can exist without him you know he also created a very like loyal universe where like that bill would do anything for me and like that goes for like our whole staff and i think like horizontally and vertically like we would all do anything for each other so it's an outsider coming in not knowing all the stuff that's happened we look at Grantland now, and it's like, yeah, you know, still putting up the same amount of posts. Right. You know, still, like, good website, still great website. Like, still, like, you know, 99% of the staff is there. There's no denying where it's like, well, this is, like, a new – it's, like, phase two. It's like it's like a new life form, you know? And it's it, – so now it's just, like, a matter of does – do you want to do you want to be here or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and do you think most people are going to stay? I don't know. I'm not even being coy. I don't know. Like, I'm not the only one who like this is kind of like their first real gig, and like are at that four year mark where they feel like maybe they need to be doing something Might else. Be time to graduate. You know, it's like a it's like a good crew of us. So, like, who knows? Like, there's a world in which Bill's still here, but like a lot of people were getting that that itch to go do something else anyway. You know, so. The the kind of the four year timing mark is kind of interesting because, you know, my interests are changing. Lots of people's interests are changing. Like, I mean, what I just told you about, you know, not, you know, wanting to like be making stuff and do stuff like that doesn't necessarily align perfectly with like being a, a staff writer at a like a sports and pop culture website. You know, like that that some of that involves like maybe just like going off and doing something else. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. Yeah. 
I'm a participant and a spectator. <laughs> you know, like this is not an ideal situation, but that's what it is now. So it's like, like yeah. you know, I think it's like, you know, there's like some group think, but there's also some individual think, you know, so... I don't know. Like, I, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. But I, I mean, the the good thing is like we all love working with each other. And so like that, that makes it hard to to slow it down because we all just like love working with each other and like st- like know how to work with each other so well and like know how to like make a good website because we've been like the site literally have like lost like three, like three or four people in four years the heart of the site is still there and a handful of people like great people have been added to only make it stronger but like the site doesn't work if like a couple more pieces aren't there because like everyone's like I'm dependent on Amos mm-hmm. Molly's dependent on me Wesley's dependent on Papadie like it's like it's it, it's not like these like individual silos like like in order for the thing to be like operating at at full strength like we like the reason the site worked is because everyone was going at like 500% at all times. So if everyone's not like, if everyone's not going 500%, it's not, it's not going to be the same Grantland. So what do you think he's going to do? No idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I would, I would never speak for Bill Simmons, but that's my dude. I love, I love Bill. Um, I was talking to Anna Holmes one day. Has she, has she been on the long form? No, she needs to come on. I remember talking to Anna like, like maybe a couple years ago about, just like the internet and I remember one time she was like you know like sometimes like the beauty of like really good things is like sometimes they just like have very clean start and ends you know like like not everything has to just go off until like it like has like it's like the Titanic goes down with the ship like sometimes things just like begin and end I don't know what this is gonna be but like that Friday was like a very real moment in my career where I was like, oh, okay. It's time to think about like what you want your career to be going forward because like I was so like, you know, all in because everyone was all in without any any reservations on being all in. So it was like, well, this is a this is a weird hiccup. Mm-hmm. No one was expecting this hiccup. I cannot be prouder that like this weird site. It's like such a weird thing that I think went proved itself from like this weird vanity site to like an actual living, breathing, important thing. And I am like could not be prouder to have been a part, like a real part of that. It's another uh, crossroads, right? Yeah. It's like, is it at its core a like vanity thing that can also just kind of disappear, or is it? like a living breathing entity that even if some people leave is its own sort of like life force that's going to continue it's a it's a brand name grand could go on forever like it it a hundred percent really could i think it's it's you know i have like i think a lot of the people there and but i don't want to speak for I, I, I will continue to speak for myself it's like i care about i will always care about every single piece that goes up on this site for like the end of time I will always care about that. I will always be very protective of that. But it's also not my site, you know? It's also not Bill's site. <laughs> so, you know, I think the, what I think about is, like, 
I think about these people that I work with and I just I want everyone that I work with to be like living their best life and like living up to their greatest potential whether that's at Grantland or elsewhere you know and I think that's what everyone's figuring out it's like where is my impact going to be the best felt mm-hmm. is it going to be stay here is it going to be go somewhere else is it going to be kind of wait and see um, so yeah it's a it's a it's a very uh, interesting time and I like it's weird to have people wonder about your employment. Yeah, I'm sure that's it's, weird. It's very weird. I've, I'm not, I've never been, you know, never been exposed to um, my my future being a, a debatable topic. It's just like, yeah, I work here. And before that, I worked for the Department of Transportation. <laughs> like, like, no one cared. <laughs> like, no one was like, yo, is he going to go from Division of Bridges to right. Division of... <laughs> the Department of Transportation gets fired. Yeah. It's like a New York Times push alert. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's um that's a very interesting thing and it I probably haven't gone a full day without someone asking me about it. Well I appreciate you talking about it. Max, this has been great. Thank you, Rem. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Long Form. I'm Max Linsky. My co-hosts are Aaron Lammer and Evan Ratliff. Our editor is Jenna Weiss Berman. My guest this week. Remember Brown. Good man. See you next Wednesday. Wait, before you go, I'm going to tell you about one more sponsor who's really been doing a ton to support the show lately, uh, and they can support you sartorially. It's Trunk Club. True story, right now on my feet, I am wearing a pair of Tree Torn sneakers. Uh, Before I encountered Trunk Club, I had never heard of Tree Torn, and uh, also I had never once gotten a compliment on shoes, but that is what Trunk Club does. They have these stylists. They pick out clothes for you. They send them to your house. You keep what you like. You send back what you don't. There's no risk at all. Uh, So if you are in the market for some men's clothing but you do not like going to the store, go check them out trunkclub.com slash longform you might just get a compliment on your clothes for the first time why do you run why does anyone i always thought that runners loved running and that's not the case most runners hate running (laughs) but they choose to do it in the new docuseries running sucks brought to you by team milk Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.